you ever loved me. Don't, don't rob me of my hate. It's all I have. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about films that are underrated, underappreciated, and ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. We are the Undercast Company, including me, Derek McDuff, along with my co-hosts, Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Alan Torres. Hey everybody, how's it going? And we are joined today by our first returning guest... Uh, old friend of mine from college and uh, podcaster extraordinaire, JPG. How's it going, man? How we doing? Thanks again for having me. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so, so, yeah, why don't you real fast tell the people about yourself and uh, what you do. Sure. Uh, so I'm JPG. I am a podcaster, public speaker, and RPG, uh, I guess, like, actor enthusiast <laughs> I, I should probably just read what's on my bio at this point but yeah uh anything that you can think of in the pop culture nerd space uh, i'm probably talking about and working in uh so yeah and thank you for mentioning that uh that we are old college friends because that makes me look younger so thank you for that derek i really appreciate yeah, that. it makes us look both a little bit younger <laughs> Yeah, I was just looking at a menu, uh, memory from Facebook, and it's like my from my second year of, of college, but it's still like 12 years ago, and I'm like, oh, shit. We won't tell anybody what <laughs> we graduated yeah. in right now. We're not going yeah. yeah. to talk about that at this point. Yeah. Good thing we're here to talk about underrated films. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And today's underrated film was uh, JPG's pick, which is the 2002 version of The Count of Monte Cristo, which is, of course, based on the 1844 novel by Alexandre Dumas, uh, starring Guy Pearce, uh, Jim Caviezel, Richard Harris, and a number of great character actors, uh, such as Luis Guzman, who I think is kind of the low-key MVP of this movie. Um, but yeah, this is a movie that was always big for me in my childhood. I was kind of the right age for it when it came out. Um, but, uh, JPG, since you picked this movie, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro to it and tell us why you like it so much? Oh God. Okay. Um, I think this is one of the, the, uh, I think this is one of like the novels that has been like made and remade and reshot and repurposed the most, like one of the most definitely. Cause I was looking at, uh, all of the, uh, uh, different, um, like, remakes of it as well, too. Like, Gerard Depardieu, like, plays the Count of Monte Cristo at one point. And, like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, uh, probably one of the... I guess, like, one of the most popular, like, vengeance or revenge stories uh, that most people are uh, introduced to. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at a younger age. I know that I read this during my teens, and I w- this was actually assigned to me in high school. Uh, so that's when I was first exposed to this as well. Uh, but yeah, and I wish I, don't expose me. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just feel like I need to apologize to you all in advance for picking this film. Oh no, no, definitely no, don't. I dug don't. it. No, if anything, no. somebody should, should apologize to you for for assigning that giant brick of a book in high school like (laughs) like i i i love big books like that but in high school i was like no i'll I'll do beowulf because it's like 50 pages so like i'm not gonna do a a thousand big old page books oh yeah you should be getting the the apology but sorry continue so a great revenge story now in the film itself um it follows uh, Edward da- uh, Edmond Dantes, mm-hmm. uh, Dantes, yeah, yeah, uh, played by Jim Caviezel, uh, mm-hmm. and um, as his life is just looking up, uh, it gets turned upside down by uh, friends and coworkers and compatriots, uh, and then it then turns into probably one of my most favorite revenge stories in all of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely an inspiration. And I, while watching it this time, it's definitely the story itself is such an inspiration to other stories to come in pop, in even pop culture. I mean, like the whole him showing up and creating this character of the Count of Monte Cristo is like 
a definitely an inspiration was an inspiration to F Scott Fitzgerald for writing the great Gatsby and having that character as this like outrageous kind of like, um, you know, person that, that has a past that's connected to this woman and, and things like that. But then there's also, um, other instances where I was like, uh, oh my goodness, like that's like straight out of out of this movie or like that that's like gets inspiration from that and you know, even like, you know, Shawshank Redemption kinda has that that moment of like, you know, mm -hmm. digging digging out uh, to get your freedom. Dumbass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and yeah, I mean it's just like it it's along with, with this and then uh, and of course William Shakespeare's stories and, and then other like uh, you know I don't want to say ancient, but really old um, stories, European stories, like they just, it just shows like how much of a influence that they have on even the storytelling of today. And, um, and yeah, this, this version of Count of Monte Cristo is like, you know, God tier of all the versions, you know, even sorry, wishbone, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> that's the first time. Yeah. That was the first Errol. time I ever heard of the story. Ariel, I feel like you that is not the first time you've said sorry, Wishbone, on the show. <laughs> oh, no, it is. It is the first time. <laughs> but no, with, like, truthfully, if you, I mean, if you have children out there, show them Wishbone. It's such a great um, showing of, of to get your kids to, to enjoy literature itself. And, um, but yeah, I digress from that. Um, the performances on this are so good. And, like, Jim Kazizel just, like, I know, you know, him playing Jesus and stuff like that. He's really good, really good at having this innocence of him. And so it was, it's, he plays this character so well from like starting from being just this innocent person who, who very much, um, he doesn't think anybody will do bad on him, even Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, who like, you should not have trusted Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, but then turning trusting Napoleon. Yeah, don't trust Napoleon. Um, I mean, in any in any iteration of of Napoleon, like from Napoleon Bonaparte yourself to Napoleon the pig in in animal animal farm, you don't mm -hmm. trust well, you Napoleon. You got Bill and Ted into trouble too. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. You don't trust a Na uh, uh, Napoleon. Um, but yeah, so so but then also then eventually becoming and, and transforming into this very jaded person who does not have any trust for most people. You know, I it, the only people he trusts are essentially ones that he's either like, you know, tried to kill or, or <laughs> like, like Jacopo or, you know, or the, the ones that try to kill him, like the, the other pirates. And, um, it, it, he, he knocks out of the part. And then of course, Guy Pierce does what Guy Pierce loves or is great at, which is playing a bad guy that you just like from the start, just hate. And is such a sleazy scumbag. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, like, and then yeah, it was very cool. Like, I, I did, I had forgotten that that OG Dumbledore was in this. So, like, having him mm -hmm. as the mentor character, and like, and I, I was kind of like worried about him like crawling in the tunnels. I'm like, this man's already old and stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, and oh yeah, and then baby, baby, um, Henry, you know, um. The Henry Carville, Henry, Henry Carville, Cavill. 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 Hey yeah. guys, it's me, Henry Cavill. Oh. Yeah, and then there was a moment, you know, because like he like tries to at in the final like um, fight, you Why know, nice. in in the outside exterior part, like um, you know, he tries to go in, and then Jacopo pulls him out. But like for a split section, second, I was like, no, let him go. He's Superman, <laughs> kind of thing. Like, but then. <laughs> But then I remembered, oh, this is, you know, this man does not have the muscles yet. Um, he's not he's the witch. He's going to get his ass know? kicked by Daredevil yeah. in, uh, in Stardust before he becomes Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh -huh. Yeah, strong, he has. Strong references. <laughs> he, he has not had a coin tossed to him. So. Hey. <laughs> So yeah. yeah. Yeah, how 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 dare that child grow up into that piece of man? Yeah. Right? Oh like God. I'm just like I, I Who knows I just, how to build I, a PC? Who knows yeah, how to build right. A PC? Like I, I I look at baby photos and like I'm like, oh, that's just me. And like now it's like me, but thirty some years later. 
You know, like, there's no, there, it's just like a gradient, right? Like, he just got to look like that, right? <laughs> no, it, it takes work that he has yeah. time for. Like, that's why, like, if you could, if, um, you know, Camille Nanjani put it correctly, like, I'm, people paid for me to, to come out this way and stuff like, but yeah, lo- great movie. Anthony Michael Hall glow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, that's your, that's your example? Look at the 80s and look at him like Halloween Kills. It's like, what happened to this human being? Oh, that's a oh, glow yeah. down. I was going to say, well, yeah, that, that was a, that was a yeah. downgrade. Yeah. He's like yeah, a brick said... wall, though, now, I'm saying. <laughs> oh. He's I was going to say, in, in Halloween Kills, he didn't look like he was very uh, Henry Cavillish at all. He was just oh, yeah. in the mood to freak people out in a bar on Halloween night for some reason. With a bat. Yeah. Evil yeah, and, and continually say evil dies tonight. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted oh, to die. I don't even get to be star yeah. on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, incredible movie, in my opinion. And really don't understand why it never got gate. Like, it is one of those movies that everybody remembers and knows, but it does not get the acknowledgement that it should definitely. In my yeah. Opinion. It's, it's definitely one of those movies that, like, it did okay financially like it's got like pretty good score critically i think it's like it about doubled its budget it's got like a 70 something around to me so it's like did fine and then just kind of like people knew it and then just kind of vanished you know mm-hmm. i remember seeing the the uh the cover at like all the time ever you know i'd go to a video store when it came out and i never even knew what it was like I, even until now like I, all i knew was i was like it's a big book it's like a revenge <laughs> story, and that was it. And I went in blind with this, and I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, you know, see, it was cool also to see, like, you know, the two most powerful superheroes, you know, Superman and Jesus Christ, next to each other. So that was really <laughs> cool. Uh, but that, that, that I'm not gonna lie, though. Me and my girlfriend like yelled at the at the TV when like, because we again we both had no idea about anything of it. Just baby Henry Cavill the walks Mandarin, up the, the original Mandarin, right? I'm the Mandarin. Mandarin. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like Sorry, we were like, on. oh my god, it's the baby! Look, it's baby Superman! Like we yelled at the screen. So, but um, yeah, no, it was it was a blast, man. I I loved it. The acting was great. Um, the story like immediately grabbed me. I was like, all right. And then just like Ariel was saying, saying like, there's all these like, you can see where it's like influenced all these other stories. And I was like, I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, that reminded me of that, or that reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, and and I just, oh, I, I sometimes too, I can't give up like a, a good revenge story. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, dude, get it. I just get everything <laughs> you deserve, please. Like, so, and I love that he was milking it. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you guys hit on a couple things that I wanted to talk a little bit about, and and, and number one is the pre-Star Wars problem, right? Uh, I've talked about this a lot on on a few different shows, but it's the idea that because you saw it in Star Wars, it when you see it somewhere else, you're like, oh, I saw that in Star Wars, until you realize that they did it before Star Wars and Star Mm -hmm. Wars borrowed from them. But now, in turn, it's so intrinsically connected to what you like, how you watch Star Wars and how you feel about it. You can't help but to feel like oh well star wars did it whatever but they didn't really it was them right Uh, the biggest the biggest like recent example of that that surprised me was dune like because yes before star wars yeah john carter another one Mm -hmm. yeah but like dune came before star wars and then and they even use like now now it's it's a more prevalent in the actually the boba fett um show with the spice and literally using the same word of spice and the dune people or like the tuscan raiders and stuff like that i'm like i just watched this like as a fantastic movie like a few months ago and stuff like but yeah go on yeah it's mm. funny enough too just one quick thing star wars actually i don't want to say stole but they borrowed again even in this most recent episode of book of boba uh spoilers for anybody out there um the whole night of a thousand tears scene like after you know the the whole you know that them taking down Mandalore, straight out of Terminator, oh, right yeah. out of Terminator, yeah. and I yeah. was just like, that's cool, like like they're they're doing that. But yeah, with this movie, that's the same thing. I kind of like to be like, all right, this movie, this book came out a very long time ago, so it's really cool, like kind of going 
it's it's super cool that you see it influencing things that you're so used to now. Like j- just like you said with the Star Star Wars thing, where people are like, "Oh yeah, you know that was a Star Wars, or that this was in this." I'm like, "Well, you gotta look into it a little bit more too. You gotta mm-hmm. give a little love to where it originally came from." I think the second part of this too is uh, I usually like to surprise uh, guests whenever whenever I uh, sorry I usually like to surprise. Um, the people that I'm on the show with as a guest. And um, I wanted to let you guys know, because I knew we were going to be talking about this film, I actually reread the whole book. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Wow. Oh, my God. So, I didn't know you had a spare three years before the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's very 15 years. Yeah, we've been planning this for a while. We've been planning this pre-Star Wars. So... <laughs> so, so um, one thing that I always like to do is like, okay, are there certain parts of the film that you absolutely loved? And let me see if I can ruin it for you. <laughs> right because <laughs> oh, it's so man. different from the book or exactly or yes yeah 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 i think because, you prob- know there's a lot of like a um there's going to be a lot of uh uh like hollywood influence right mm-hmm. so i can pinpoint all of the hollywood influence stuff if you guys would like but well, mostly this is to ruin it for everybody well i mean clearly clearly he doesn't pull a great gatsby i think i think he he essentially just it shows up and like it takes longer for him to build up his empire i think it goes more into detail with how he builds up this empire i'm i'm sure it's not like he yeah shows up overnight this i think it was like maybe like i think it it calculated like three years since he found the gold or roughly that maybe two since he found the gold and that he he came on the scene essentially Mm -hmm. um but yeah, and I think I'm trying to because because I'm pretty sure the Wishbone version was a little bit more um, accurate. accurate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's a different. I know he does escape the re- same way of of being thrown off in in the body bag, um, but I think how he f- learns to fight is different. I think, or I don't know. One thing that I ruined kind of for myself was I remember when I watched it originally, like, because I was really into this movie as a kid, I would just, like, when I had the DVDs, I would just watch them and, like, watch all the bonus features and stuff. And the one thing that, like, never sat right with me, even as a 12-year-old, I was like, that's not good writing, was the fact that um, Henry Cavill was Jim Caviezel's son. And I was like, that's too neat that's too clean and then i was like watching some dvd bonus feature and the director's like the only problem with the book is that it's not his son i'm like that was it that was great why did you change that like that was the thing that i ruined for myself by watching like the dvd bonus features because i feel like that just makes it like too nice and easy it's like oh we're all a happy family now at the end Mm -hmm. and if it's like it was like oh yeah like this is your dad so i don't know like how like this dynamic between you know him and then you know, Mercedes' son played out, because when she's like, don't kill him, he's actually your son, like, well, either way, Mercedes would not want her son to get murdered, like, Mm -hmm. I'm just curious how that whole interaction played out in the book. Well, uh, first and foremost, the fighting. Um, It is implied that that the priest in the jail does teach him fighting, but the way that he Get, like he doesn't outright murder anybody in the books. Like he's not he's not out here like dueling or whatever or anything like that. No, he gets a lot of them to just kill themselves after oh, yeah. all of the misfortune that he gives them as well. So mm-hmm. that was pretty impressive on that one. Uh, and then the other one with playing out. Okay, so the way that he gets to count uh, to count Mon- oh, is it Count Mondego? Right? Yeah. Count- Mondego. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he gets he gets to Count Mondego through um he gets to Count Mondego in the film through his son, right? Albert, right? But in the book it's <laughs> he like buys an island, tricks one of Albert's friends to stop there. They become friends, then the friend tells Albert about him, then they all start hanging out, and now like these two very young boys are hanging out with this like rich eccentric Cajillionaire on his private island, mm-hmm. which like doesn't sit well with me like now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, he like tricks. He like has this whole plan where he like 
tricks the son's friend, so now the son's friend is his friend, now the son is his friend, and that's how he gets to Mondego in the first place as well. So it's even more convoluted and, 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 uh, uh, and complicated in the, in the book itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is one of those movies where you're like, you can tell that there's, this is like a tome of a book, and like to put it into like a two and an hour and ten minute movie, you're gonna need to like make some edits, and that's why I think that if this had come out like today in like you know the 2020s, this would be an absolutely be a Netflix series. This would be like a prestige, oh, yeah. like yeah. like oh yeah. like we've got Guy Pierce and all these great actors that like do it like you know doing all these roles. And it would be like ten parts on Netflix, and yeah, I which think- it still should be. Like it would yeah, be awesome. yeah. I, yeah. I would, I would love to see that honestly. But I think, that, yeah. yeah, this is there is a lot of story here to the point where I really do feel like this is honestly two movies. Really, like I feel like the first half is just kind of this like, um, like prison escape, like Shawshank Redemption esque story where he's like kind of learning all these skills and doing this thing, and then it has kind of like a great climax where he gets out in this. You know, you're building up to, oh, he's going to dig out. And then it's like, oh, this clever thing where he just, like, gets out with um, them tossing him off. And I thought that was a really cool twist. And the second half just switches gears. And it's not exactly a genre shift, but it is, I think, a big shift in the storytelling where it's like, okay, now the second half, there's, like, a little interlude where it becomes, like, a treasure hunt. And it becomes, like, national treasure for, like, ten minutes. And it just Mm -hmm. goes into, like, the second half of the movie, which is, like, full-on revenge story. And I really, really dug that, how it was kind of just, like, these two very separate stories that were connected, but each felt like its own thing where it's like, oh yeah, Richard Harris, who is like arguably the third lead, you know, dies halfway through. And then a lot of the characters Mm -hmm. that are only in the beginning don't show up again until the second half of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would just want to like make a note of how incredible, like just the speech that, that, um, Jim Cavazel gives like once they find the 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 treasure and stuff and he's like his kind of like subtle speech of revenge just like gives you chills I, it's so simple like it's very short but it's just like the way that he delivers it is just so much of like oh my goodness like this man's gonna like make people is gonna like burn the world kind of thing like he's just ready for that and stuff and it's 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 like just a testament to like yeah how how great you know Jim Cavazel is in this um and that you you from the beginning like and especially at that point you are like you're ready to take that revenge with him in a way you know go on that that journey of revenge with him and like like Alan said like yeah yeah you go you go you destroy you know kind of thing yeah <laughs> Uh, there's one thing I wanted to ask, because um, mm. you're saying you're, you know ruining, you're going to ruin something. So you're telling me there's no Jack Russell Terrier in the book, because <laughs> that would break my heart. Oh, okay. oh. I'm so sorry, Alan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, okay. Um, <laughs> what are some What are some messed up things that I can tell you about the book? Okay. Well, uh, okay. So, so Derek, you'll be happy to know that Albert mm-hmm. is actually not uh, uh, Edmond, uh, Edmond's son in the book itself. Good. He's definitely Count Mondego's son. Um, what else? Uh, like, there are, like, three or four more people he has to, like, get revenge on, and there's, like, one or two more people throughout the book that he's like, oh, wait, no, you are a bad person. I should get revenge on you, too. <laughs> and, like, and, and so Adam's it's like... List. Yeah, so, like, you have, you have, like, the core list, and then you have, like, a couple other, like, side list ones that he does, like, I don't know, like, during his downtime? And, it, like, <laughs> and, and, like, it 100% like, works out. He's, like, um, our, uh, what, what's her name? From, from, um, Game of Thrones, uh. Cersei? No, 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 the girl. Oh, my god! Oh, Arya, Arya. Arya, yeah, he's, like, oh. like he, he's repeating yeah. the names at, at Oh, night. yeah. It was just really weird that yeah, there's a there's like a there's like a dead baby subplot. Uh, there is there's an extra person in the core group that he has to get uh, that he has to get a, a revenge on. But then in the middle of it, he's like, "Hey, I feel real bad for you, so I'm not going to get revenge on him anymore." Uh, the dude gets like the dude murders somebody, gets captured for it, escapes. And then just keeps being a bad person, so he just goes back on the list again. It's like the whole thing. And then on top of that, uh, 
at the end of it, and I'm very, very sorry for this, you guys, uh, Edmond does not end up with Mercedes. Mm. Oh. Yeah, there's oh, another... I they did that in the movie. Yeah, there was another love interest, and the love interest was involved in getting Count Mondego, like, arrested and, and tried and all that other stuff, too, so... Yeah, but it was, like, really funny because, you know, you know that Edmond is in jail for, like, almost 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, like, 13, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. he... Okay, so then, like, I think he's 19 when he goes into jail, and then it's 17 years in jail... And then, like, a few more years after that. So he's in, like, his, like, mid-40s at this mm-hmm. point, right? Just exacting revenge on everybody who deserves it. Uh, and then he ends up with, like, the hot 20-year-old at the end of everything. And But 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 with good... I saw your face, Derek. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's all earned. So don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's, everything is earned. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, like, I was kind of like, you know, I'm usually like, okay, I don't want, like, a complete... Uh, like happy ending where he gets the girl back and like it's his son and stuff like that and i usually would have been like you know what if he didn't get mercedes back if like his revenge kept them apart i would have liked it but man the performance that and i'm not i i'm gonna butcher this but that uh dragma dolvich it's a polish name i apologize the, the woman who plays mercedes her performance that she gives just it's devastating like she's got like these tears she like she's like i know it's you and like Oh my gosh, like like you were saying, Ariel, like Jim Caviezel, like for me, all the supporting characters in this just floored me. Like with her, like I'm like, how are people not talking about this performance? Because it was so good. I know that she's also in um, The Worst Person in the World and she's getting, I think, the, some attention for that. But I'm like, how did she not become bigger? You know, like, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and then across the board, everybody in this uh-huh. is so good. And then also, just a little side note, because my mom, like, always, like, who is this person? And looks him up while she's watching a movie. Apparently, she's married to Patrick Wilson, too. Because, of course, she <laughs> okay. has to check Daddy? out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. He's the guy who took me soaring over California? She, he, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you can't drop oh, that. Oh, no, kind no. Of... I, I got him because he was Patrick Warburton. Patrick You're Wilson. So, oh, Patrick yeah. Warburton. yeah. Okay. No, okay. Patrick Wilson, the <laughs> Night Owl. Sorry. Yeah, the yeah, Night Owl. Ed Lorraine. Or Ed Warren. Ed, oh, and my Jackson God. did not like him yeah. in that one yeah. movie. But no, I mean. Oh, my God. I that, love him. He's daddy. That whole <laughs> scene. That whole scene is so, like, great. I think that has to be, like, one of the best scenes of this movie. From him entering the carriage to him leaving the carriage, essentially. Because, like, between... Her performance, his perform, uh, Jim Caviezel's performance, and then um, Luis Guzman's and yeah. and Jim Caviezel's performance. It's just like so, like it shows like the purity of their relate um, of um, oh, I can't remember Luis the relationship. Guzman's, yeah, their relationship, and just how much of like they have this respect for each other, and that like Luis Guzman's character like wants what's best for him he doesn't want to see his friend hurt anymore you know he wants his friend to live a good a happy life that he deserves and he's just trying to do his best and even in that moment you get the feeling of like he is like just so sad but he's like accepting of the this like these words from from uh his friend because he knows that his friend's hurting in this moment. And so these these words... And and the way that he leaves isn't really, like, he's, you know, putting him down. Or it, like, it, it's such a great showing of, of friendship for them. And, like, yeah, I, I just love that scene and how it's played out. Funny, because, you know, when you're, like, a kid and you see a movie and you're, like, you kind of forget that, like, these people who you know from later in life are, like... I was like, oh, yeah, Guy Pierce is in this, Superman's in this, like, you know, Jesus is in this. And I kind of, like, forgot <laughs> all about them. The one person I will never, ever forget was in this because, like, anytime I'd see him in anything, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's Luis Guzman from the County Monte Cristo. Like, when he shows up in Community, I'm like, yes, build him that statue. He's incredible in this. Like, I had, like, <laughs> when he, when, like, I had the reaction that he had. Like, I am your man forever, Luis. Like, <laughs> like this, he's <laughs> so yeah. fucking good in this. This uh, is a like this is a whole show talking about just underrated films and all that. Mm-hmm. Underrated, like he's the most underrated person in this whole film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really and, is. Yeah, and uh, like uh, uh, 
terrible wigs aside, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we we get this, we get this like small injection of humor that uh, when we when we experience all of this revenge plot, we need a little bit of that humor as well. And to be quite honest, like what I would be interested in is like what scenes that they cut with him, because there there's a lot of. Uh, I felt like there were a lot of scenes that that might not have connected as cleanly, where I'm like, he was probably in it, and he probably killed it, and they cut it, right? Snyder mm -hmm. cut. Oh, yeah, we one. need to see yeah, the Luis Guzman yeah. cut. <laughs> yes. I, I I agree with that, dude. I, there, there, that was probably my biggest nitpick. Was I was like, dude, this movie needs to be longer. I was like, it needs to at least be three hours because I need more. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. And and going back to like, yeah, it would suffice to be a really great um, Netflix show. Because and and yeah, I would agree. Going with the tra traditional way that the book is, and just have it more of like a, I don't want to say psychological thriller, but like his his the way that he gets what he wants through like like this manipulation of the system that through him in jail you know which he does like you get senses of that especially with how he uses in the movie how he uses the the police and and things like that but it would be incredible to see that kind of story of just like this man who yeah become he doesn't know how to read or write and he is a simpleton but then being built up and it, learning all of, and gaining all of this intelligence through torment the during the tor time of torment for him and using that at, for the this revenge story, it it's it leads up to being such an incredible um, story, and and like Netflix is, has become such a incredible device to tell these types of like long form stories that really deserve you know this much um, attention. So yeah, like any you know Netflix producers out there, definitely put this on on your list of you know short list of movies or series to do yeah definitely i think we're due for a good good another good version i don't know yeah. if this was like the last version that we got i can't remember any other ones after this but this definitely yeah you know this was 2020 2002 so yeah you know 20 years later come on yeah yeah well, talking about the ending, and I'm curious if it ends the same way in the book, because uh, you kind of hinted that it doesn't, but I really do love, like, it is kind of that Hollywood cliche, but that final showdown between them, like, I felt, like, really worked for this kind of just, like, revenge action movie, because that is such a good sword fight. Like, I was writing a list for Watch Mojo a little bit ago, like, top ten sword fights, and that was on the list for sure, and, like, you know, I went back and rewatched the scene just to to write about it I was like man this is a good fucking sword fight like it, it's got different levels and like do they like think they lose their swords and they get the swords back and he gets two swords and it's just kind of like the dynamic is constantly changing and you're seeing it from other people's perspectives and it really works for both of their characters I feel like this kind of conclusion because Guy Pierce, he can get away Mondango like he's riding off on his horse but just like he always he just can't let it go and he just kind of holds and he's like I, he can make his getaway he can survive, but he has to turn back. He has to be better than Dantes. And he has to. He tosses down his gun. He's like, all right, let's do this. He's like, I'm better than this guy. And he, you know, meets his end because of that. And I just love that final, just like, he, he that little catharsis you get where he's like, all right, I'm going to give up my revenge. But you still get to, you still get to see this guy die because Guy Pearson, this is such a shit heel. Like, he, he mm -hmm. plays an absolutely irredeemable person, but he, Guy Pierce is just so good at it. He's just, like, sniveling. He's just like, Mom, nigga, I am royal. And he spits in his face. You're just like, fucking kill this guy. But it's Guy Pierce. You just kind of are like, you're, you're it's like Billy Zane in Titanic levels of, like, <laughs> like So I, I just really had, like, a fun time with that ending. And I'm curious, JPG, is, is it, like, the end, is this a Hollywood ending they added, or was it, like, kind of a more, like, you know, uh, like, a different ending in the book? Okay. Uh, first and foremost, you mentioned Billy Zane. Uh, please, please let me know if you guys ever do the film The Phantom. Oh, oh my God, God. we're gonna yeah, do it. Man. Yeah. Say that, I've been wanting to do it since day one. I, know, I, know, I, know, I know it's movie. not. I know it's not that movie, but Phantom's like a motherfucker. There you go. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, so if you if you ever do the Phantom, please, please, please let me know. Let me be back on the show. I'll be, um, I'll be there, man. I'll be there. Absolutely. I, I love that movie growing up. Uh, so, Derek, this is one of those times where Hollywood executives were right. Like, they were yeah. right in order to add in. So, um, they originally in this particular script, they were actually going to have the... Uh, the film kind of map the uh, the the novel more closely. Um, once Mondego finds out, he like mentally breaks, and when he gets home in order to try to like fix things, uh, he runs into Mercedes and Albert, and they're just packed up and go- and leaving. <laughs> and that's what finally breaks him, and just you know puts a gun in his mouth, and that's it. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah and like yeah. Uh, and and so when it. Uh, I think one of the best parts of that end scene is is him writing back, and when he gives when he gives that line of "I could not live in a world where you were better than me," mm-hmm. that that is that is so like hardcore Hollywood. I absolutely love it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a, like though whoever decided that earned their paycheck for this whole mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest things too is like. That shot is stunning. Like, I was really hoping, like, like because there's such a build-up the whole movie of just kind of, like, the showdown. And for me, I, I felt the fight choreography was pretty solid, but I was just more impressed of just the setting, the tall grass. It was quiet. It was lonely. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the Mercedes and, and Albert and, and everybody else was, like, kind of away, but, like, it was just a cool, like, showdown. Like, just... The tall grass, the mood, the mu- even him just looking off like he's like, no, I, I got to go back. I got to finish this. Like, we got to duel it out kind of thing. And then just there's a shot where they're both running to each other and it's so raw and they're just running in the tall grass. And it just felt very like old school samurai kind of like Kurosawa. Like, it was just such a gorgeous shot. Like, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you're saying that Hollywood did it right, because that's just a stunning shot like that whole Mm -hmm. scene is just beautiful Mm -hmm. so i have a pitch for how to like integrate the for for, we're we're already starting to pitch you know to netflix and stuff like that so like yeah like so the ending being like it's that lead up and but it'll and like once he does find out and like instead of putting a gun to his head you know he goes and in search of the count to monte cristo and finds them in a very in an equally um you know cinematic area and stuff like that and then going from like the count doesn't kill up until this point he is the only exception and he does kill him and they have this good really good sword fight and then that is the only you know kill that that you know dante's ever does and stuff so yeah i I like it well, let me, so speaking of like how great this was, like a great sword fight finale, and how there is kind of all this cool washbuckling elements, and it does really feel like a throwback to like kind of like the Errol Flynn, like you know, sword fighting movies that came out between like the 30s and 50s, um, and movies that really don't get made anymore. But for whatever it's... reason, in like this mm-hmm. two year period, they mm-hmm. like made this and they made the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which mm-hmm. are like the last time they really like made. Mo- like these big swashbuckling movies and i'm like so what was go what was in the water in 2002 and 2003 that they just yeah. went back to this like old it was like you know how indiana jones threw back to the old adventure serials these was these movies were like throwbacks to the old like swashbuckling serials you know and yeah. i kind of i really love it you know yeah especially um henry cavill's like entrance into that fight like is such a like swashbuckling you know moment with yeah, him how he cutting breaks through. the sword which, which is, is like, like, like that's impossible yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah but that's so like yeah like you said out of swashbuckling and i don't know it's it i mean that might have contributed to it being for it might have gotten foreshadowed by by pirates in that in that way also if, if pirates came about the same time and then that's more of the um thing that we attribute to like oh swashbuggling coming back but i don't know i think it just comes down to like it's such a uh, enjoyable and like you get caught up into that type of fighting just like naturally because it's such a fast-paced you know way of fighting swords are so much like sword fighting is so much more of like an eloquence 
to like you know a gunfight and things like that and because it's so up up close and personal and you have all these like moments of like it could go either way you know because like they're it's sword for sword you know and it's not really like who has the better gun or who is the better aim it's like it sword fighting it comes with a higher amount of skill and it it just like captivates in my opinion a bit more from like 1995 to just about like 2004 if if there had if it if there was a sword in it and at least one a-list actor it was just they were all just bangers right like they're all <laughs> just like uh, uh the i think it's the year before this that the mask of zoro gets released yeah oh, oh that's God. the other yeah, one. That one too that's yeah. the other one that is like so like oh this is like was inspired the movie the masses or like this was inspired by by count of monte cristo because like the whole antonio banderas character se- essentially is the count of monte cristo becomes the count of monte cristo yeah if there yeah. is a scene where it's some dirty freaking guy who gets to learn high society life if you have that scene in a film and you reverse my fair lady me like i will <laughs> always love films like that. i will always oh, yeah, love definitely. that film yeah, I mean, Chris mm-hmm. Nolan pulled that shit off in a Batman movie, for God's sake. He's like, he's like, okay, cool, we need to train Batman. I've got Liam Neeson. Let's just have him sword fight Christian Bale to teach him to be Batman. Even though they don't use sword, but okay, cool. Like, it was still cool. Like, mind your surrounding crap. Like, I was, I was down. You are, you did Batman not know. inspired by Zorro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It just, it's, come, it's all coming full circle, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's connected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a reason that, like, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo as a book is assigned in in, in high school liter, you know, literature class because it it is a classic. It is a classic story. It definitely like captures the you know the basic out at um you know outline of a hero's journey. I mean, it is like yeah, it is a staple to to literature that you know came after it. Yeah. Does does anyone know what other films came out around this time? Because this was what two thousand two. Yeah. Um... Well, I know like Pirates was was relative, like because Pirates was um about it was the next year. So... Two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh man, you guys are gonna hate this. Okay. Uh, okay. Spider Man. Uh huh. <laughs> the first Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The yeah. Two Towers mm-hmm. came out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Attack of the Clones. Oh my god. My Catch favorite's Watch Buckling. Oh. <laughs> Underrated Christmas movie, Catch Me If You Can. I roll up. Oh, another, uh, another, oh another, we're gonna have this we're gonna have this argument. Okay. A, another great sword sword movie, but the Eastern version hero came out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Alright. Oh, a walk to remember. You know what no, that that wins it. That wins the whole 2002. <laughs> Well, also, um, around that era, there was another big revenge film, and it's one of my favorites. I count it, it is two volumes, but I count them as one movie. Okay. There is, yeah. Ah, okay. Wow, all right. I just, like... It's a good year in movies, like, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking at it, Uh uh-huh. Gangs in New York, which is another, like, one of my favorite Scorsese movies. And nobody talks about it, but I love Gangs in New York. Road to Perdition came out that year. Blade 2 came out that year. Great one. Yep. Chicago. (laughs) Oh, Chicago. Nice. Yeah. Man, this was, this is a weirdly good year. Okay. You know what? Number 39 on on IMDb's list. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, If you guys, if you guys ever do that film, let me know. No, that one's, that one's. I think that one's like very below. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one's just a banger in the first place. Okay, that makes yeah. me feel better. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I, I kind of already threw one out there, but I do have one that I, I I really fell in love with that came out a couple years ago. But what's your guys's like favorite revenge film? Mm. Oh God! Besides Count of Monte Cristo, that is yeah. Besides tough. it, yeah. <laughs> oh God! Favorite revenge film. You always put me on the spot. I, See, I say this every time. <laughs> what do you got well, here? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm trying to get... I'm trying to... Well, okay. Does... 
No, because that wouldn't technically count as revenge. It's revenge for, like, one person in the group. Um, I love Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. both of Ooh, them? the Perry yeah, Benedict's Casino! Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Okay. Um, Ooh, uh, I'm looking does... at the IMDb um, list, but one that did pop up that that's, is really good is V for Vendetta. Ooh, yeah. that's, that's, a a good one. One. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Does, does John Wick count? Yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. yes. Okay. That, that, because yeah. now I just want I, I just want the Count of Monte Cristo with Keanu Reeves and guns. Like that's that's <laughs> what I want now at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna teach was... you economics, math, <laughs> <Yeah>. language, <laughs> and guns. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I don't I don't know how well it's aged, but I loved Taken when it came out. Like I know there's been like that's kicked off a whole very tired genre now of like old man revenge movies but like taken is taken is <gasps> solid you know like li- that was like what gave us old man liam neeson kicking ass so so Wait. i definitely i need to rewatch that yeah. but taken is cool what? taken's a good revenge movie a callback to a movie that we have done the prestige is, is oh yeah. 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 yeah that's a good choice yeah, that's a good, that's a good choice yeah that's yeah it, that, best that the best cake, reveal of of a of a revenge, yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. Okay. Oh my gosh, Derek, what was the last one you just mentioned? Um Taken. Taken. Okay. <laughs> There's a real I'm sorry to take this tangentially, but also it's a podcast. Uh but <laughs> so Taken, the first one, incredible film, right? Mm-hmm. Just just so good. So so good. The um my friends and I even will say whenever like something gets really crazy, like we'll all say, good luck. Like <laughs> that one yeah, moment. I use that yeah. gift so much. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, Taken Two was probably the biggest film letdown I've ever had in my life. Uh, mostly because I've never seen the Avatar: The Last Airbender film. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> so Taken Two, it like it yeah. t- it takes you through. I think like I think it's Turkey or Istanbul or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and um, at the end of it, it's like this ridiculous jump cut, like break cut, last fight between Liam Neeson and this very overweight Turkish dude in like a bathhouse, and he's in a full tracksuit and just <laughs> and and just giving Liam Neeson the business. <laughs> and and that scene, like it, like haunts me. It still haunts me to this day that like. Liam Neeson, how did you do all of that stuff in the first Taken? And then, like, a year later, you get you almost get beaten by a Turkish dude in a bathhouse, full tracksuit. Yeah, no, Taken yeah. 2 is, is awful. Like, it is... I I remember, like, being all in, and, like, I was at college when it came out, and, like, I, everybody was like, oh, my God, this new Liam, Liam Neeson movie, it's, it's incredible, you know? And then, like, Taken 2 comes out a year later, and everyone's like, what is this? And, yeah, like, I was like, is... no way I'm going to watch Taken 3 after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sp- sadly, Spider-Man 3 was my, my, like, fall from oh. race mo- movie. <laughs> I love Spider-Man. That's, that's, a good revenge revenge, that's a good revenge movie right there. No, he puts no. dirt in his eye. No, 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 no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I, I, I really it. like Spider-Man 3. I love it's Spider-Man perfect 3. Movie, I, but it's I think it's fun. because it, it's because of that. Like, I rewatched it um, for, for you know, the lead-up to, to um, No Way Home. But, and it, I, but it's just that memory. JPZ G was saying is, like, it is it's just that like you're going in going in with expectation and and just being so disappointed and that's my movie sadly i mean it doesn't con- it, you know it's just that's the movie you, you no, gotta I, rewatch it you gotta rewatch it i, I did i did rewatch it oh, you i did rewatch it like a yeah like All a right. month or two, a couple of months ago yeah so i i'm still on the i'm still on the spider-man 3 is great train so <laughs> I think I'm the only okay. So if we're talking about Spider Man's, uh, Spider Man Two, and uh, Alfred Molina, mm-hmm. and that film yes. is just, just okay. incredible, right? Oh like, no, yeah. We, we shouldn't be allowed to write villains. Like, okay, I have three. I have three villains, and they're all Marvel villains, just because I've been on the uh, on this uh, this Netflix Marvel watch through. Okay, so number one. Like, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Like, you should not be written that good, right? Mm-hmm. Number two is Kingpin. 
Yep. And then number yep. three is uh, is uh, Killmonger. No, not Killmonger. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, Killgrave, uh, the Purple Man. Killgrave. In, yeah. In, in, oh, Jessica Jones. Wow. oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Purple Man so, is yeah. the best. Oh, my I God. I yeah. never, ever, ever wanted to be afraid of, uh, what's Matt Smith? Right? No, no, not no, David no, Tennant. No, 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 David Tennant. Because Matt Smith is the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Just had like three nerd that. tangents, right? That yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry. Guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I never wanted to be afraid of David Tennant, and now I am. Mm. Like, if I ever met him in real life, I would probably run away. Yeah. <laughs> no. I never. I don't like Doctor Who, so I don't. I only know him as that creepy Jessica Jones mind rapist, and also the horrible Snake Man from Harry Potter. That's all. Oh I know. no, he's so, so sweet in so Doctor Who. He's brilliant. the sweet. He's he's so, so sweet and him. smart. Yeah. Oh God. He's Scrooge McDuck. He, oh, he is Scrooge. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Which, yes, it's beautiful. Which, if you have set. not seen DuckTales, I mm. will argue it is one of the best cartoons in the last five years. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. definitely Gravity Falls and DuckTales are up there. I mean, yeah, I, oh God, you're going to be real mad at me. I've, I still haven't seen Gravity Falls. It's okay. It's okay. It, you'll worry, see I it. Seen it either. <laughs> like one of your favorite, favorite shows. Anyway. Yeah, but DuckTales, I highly recommend DuckTales. That's mm -hmm. another great one. Mm hmm. Such oh, a perfect God. yeah. I, I okay. could go on and talk about Ducktales yeah, all day long, but yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. Um, we should probably get back to Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no worries. I, I I was gonna throw it out there just as a. I was contemplating this as an episode, but uh, I I feel like maybe it's getting some traction every now and again, but it it still seems kind of under the radar every now and again. Uh, it's one of my recent favorite revenge movies. It's I saw the devil. If you want a revenge I know, movie, I, I've heard of. The, I haven't seen it, but I know, heard the story. And like, even then, like, even knowing the story, I'm like, that. I need to watch that movie. It's yeah. it's an amazing like uh, South Korean like thriller revenge movie, borderline horror film. Like, it's like, it, it just takes revenge like to the max. Like, it's like the 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 villain deserves it, but you're just like, damn, dude. Okay, like. All right, you got to slow down. Maybe, and he's yeah. like, nope. Maybe chill out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so powerful and emotional. And it's just like, like it, it kind of also is kind of cathartic because sometimes you just want that revenge where you just want to be like mean and like sadistic. And like, that's essentially the protagonist. Like he just takes it to another level. And it just, it's emotional and powerful and just brutal. Like that, that it's, but every time I think of revenge movies, like I think about that one right away. It's so good, and I don't know. Maybe it might be a future episode, but I, I listeners out there, I definitely recommend it if you want a really good, powerful revenge movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is like you said. It is gaining traction, but I still think that it's not at the foreground of of everybody's mind. It is on mm -hmm. lists. I could tell you that much, but but it's definitely not on the foreground of like because us as a you know, as a U.S. society, we're just barely, like, getting to know, like, the awesome things that come out of South Korea, you know, from, like, or from Squid Game to, you know, Bong Joon-ho's movies and stuff like that. But, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, kind of, like, shifting, taking that and shifting a little bit back towards Kind of Monte Cristo, like, well, I like how you're talking about, like, you know, the extreme lengths he goes to and, like, the ultimate revenge to get these guys. And I like how, like, you know, just that there's that moment where he's like, um, Luis Guzman's like, why do you need to go through all this? Like, I could just, I could just kill these guys in a weekend, you know, it'd be easy, you know? And then, but he's like, no, I want them to suffer like I've suffered. And you're just kind of like, yeah, man, just, just like, you know, these guys suck and I get it. You want to draw out. But then, you know, like we're talking, there's that whole scene where he's like, he's like, yeah, just like, you're super rich. There's like this beautiful woman who's in love with you. Like, just take the money and run, dude. Just like you know, shoot these guys in the back of the head or something. You'll get away with it. Like, just get out, you know. Like, he doesn't cares, need it, you know? the like because that's the carriage scene too. It's like he doesn't need to like even kill them anymore. Like they're mm -hmm. already like at that point, like destitute. All of them are just sad yeah. sacks. Yeah, yeah they're like, all kind yeah, of like, yeah. Like, before like, he even shows up, their lives are pretty like, shitty. Yeah, like, they were already destroying each other. Like, he already, like, put
put the seeds in. Like, he just needed to leave them. He could have just left them to grow and, like, left. And, like, not even, like, or, or even staying there, you know? He could have just stood there, you know? Because they were not good. They were already, like, in their downfall, you know? He didn't have to do anything more. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is that point of, like, of having that, like, he's his mind's already set. And it's, it's just, like that that blindness that that revenge creates and like that's why it's such but and it revenge is such an understandable thing for everybody i think i think everybody in uh, maybe there's a, a good few but i know that a lot <laughs> almost everybody has had that want of revenge or has done things petty things for revenge and and it definitely makes it as being a very relatable trope and i think that's why these revenge stories are so captivating because it like takes one of those inner like feelings that you like want to like express out and it plays it out for you know for you and it's like you get sucked in in that way because it's like this guy is doing what something that like i've always wanted to do to the people that have like done me wrong you know so yeah dark side i played D D with her mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> well one question i was going to ask uh jbg about like the kind of structure of the mo of the book is it like the movie where it's like the first half is kind of like this prison escape thing and then the second half is you know this revenge story is it kind of like split like that or is like one side more weighted than the other i would say that the time jump is a little bit uh uh less inconsistent in the books right because it's very much okay this is what's happening um you get in the jail pretty like you get in jail pretty quickly and then you also get out of jail pretty quickly but there is like a gigantic amount of time that that lapses right uh, and it's more so that, like, if let's say the book is like a thousand pages, right? I mm. would say that, like, from page two hundred, like onward, we're we're like deep in revenge at this point. Mm. Yeah. Like mm. all all the yeah, everything's enacting. Um, you see that these people who wronged him were are kind of separated all from each other, but then are also just like weirdly entangled in each other as well. Uh, uh gosh. There's an extra person in the core group. Uh, I had mentioned that before. Uh, Denglars, who owns the uh, shipping owns, company, like the ship company, the, the shipping company. company. Yeah. Um, there's like a plot where like he like he's like married, and then his wife dies, and then he remarries this like super rich widow. So now he's even more rich, and he like he's doing the best out of everyone. Uh, and then that widow bangs uh, the chief prosecutor, Vilfor. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, and they were doing it for years, and then there was, like, a secret baby from that. Uh, what else? <laughs> Bondego, uh, after he betrays his friend, also goes to, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, like, somewhere in the Middle East or something like that, and he betrays, like, a sultan? Mm. <laughs> And so then, so then that's like another thing where I was like, dude, you just like to make friends and screw them over at all uh -huh. points, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so that comes back and bites him in the ass. And it's, yeah. It, but it's very much, it's, it's very much okay. Well, Catamon Criso gets in this way and then he like makes two friends and then makes another friend. And that's how it gets to the person he's getting revenge on. And then along the way, he's like, wait, no, you suck too. So I'm getting revenge <laughs> on you. And um, it, there, there is a moment though. There, there, there are moments in the book where there's very much like a, like a religious slant to this film. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and it's, uh, you know, with The Count of Monte Cristo as, as the novel, it's not just a revenge tale, but it's, it's, it's a morality tale as well. Mm -hmm. um, because he actually does kind of quit on the whole revenge thing mm -hmm. when somebody innocent dies mm -hmm. from, from, like, all of his machinations and stuff. So mm -hmm. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, and and uh, there are, like, all these other really cool characters that I wish I would have seen. Um, but I also understand why they cut all of these characters as well. Like, uh, do you remember the 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 guy who used to own the shipping business that was very, very, he was very kind to Edmond? Yeah. And, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. 
that dude has a bigger role in it. Yeah. And his grandson and... So you meet his granddaughter in the film. Mm-hmm. She has a bigger role with how she gets married. And then he has a grandson who's a super good dude. And 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 his plot line is really, really great throughout. And because of the Count of Monte Cristo's like, um, sort of like scheming, it actually screws him over. Oh, no. And so he like he actually like he actually like commits to like making sure that his life is better now too. So that was that's a re- like that's the one where I was like I really wanted to see it on film, but I understand why they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, guys, any final thoughts on 2002's Count of Monte Cristo before we wrap things up here? I know we touched on a lot already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a hit, uh, you know, a a forgotten gem, for the most part, of a very like iconic classic story. And you know, while it does take liberties, the liberties that it does take, like overall, like they make it make sense. They make they make this story that, like you know, that's was so gigantic, like flow incredible, and and kind of like it has some kind of inconsistencies that might have like it might have been better the original way but but overall it just plays out in such a incredible way and like not just with the story but also the characters are just just so well developed and you know even with the limited time that they that they're given like Kudos, one more kudos to, of acting kudos to Henry Cavill for like just deeply showing like how much of disappointment he has when like you know and how much like he does truly love his father and you don't he doesn't like express that with words he purely expresses that with you know emotion on, on his face like in the in the party and then like other moments of like you know and things like that and and yeah it's just definitely you totally understand why these actors like in other in their future careers like became such you know iconic actors and and have like you know some so much recognition and and i will say too that like we were kind of touching on earlier about how like this was such a solid year in film and there's so many like thought pieces and like books and whole podcast devoted to 1999 being like the greatest film year ever but like maybe let's consider 2002 for a second because along with this one and all the other ones you named jpg i just want to throw out a couple more movies because i brought up the letterbox tier mm-hmm. that i really enjoy that came out this year you also got 28 days later Lilo oh, good lord yeah minority report the born identity the pianist punch drunk love um, and two movies that we've actually covered on this podcast, um, Death to Smoochie and Rules of Attraction. So, and one oh. movie that I've been thinking about covering in the future that I think is a very underrated movie is Reign of Fire, which is a post-apocalyptic movie where the apocalypse is dragons. So, like, 2002. That's Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's a helicopter pilot who owns an axe. Just the yeah. best, right? <laughs> that movie I, is so great and ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, like with that movie, like I originally thought that that it was like a medieval like dragon movie, but then like I haven't seen it still. But like I do We're know, gonna have like to cover I've it seen, at some point. I've seen like like clips of like Matthew McConaughey like looking very modern. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> kind of think it's so so yeah that. We'll, I mean, I'll see how it is, but it is definitely an, an interesting movie kind of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll save my thoughts on that one for when yeah. we do the episode because yeah. it is yeah. ridiculous in the best possible way. I have some thoughts on it too, so I'll, I'll save yeah. it. <laughs> well, uh, everybody, thank you for listening and thank you uh, for coming on, JPG. Uh, J- I know you kind of touched on the beginning of the show, but where can people find you? So you can find me on all social media at a speaker JPG. Um, you can also, I have like a lot of projects, so I usually just point everybody to my link tree. So it's linktree slash uh, speaker JPG. And, uh, and yeah, it's so it's going to be in the dis- bio or description. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And you guys had mentioned D and D too. And like tabletop RPGs, that's kind of like my bread and butter right now. 
I am a um I've definitely stepped a little bit away from podcasting and now I'm going to I'm more in like a uh like tabletop RPG live streams and things like that. So uh um hoping to build my audience through there now as well. Awesome, awesome. And yeah, we have been the Undercast Company. So if you guys like this podcast, you know, go ahead and whatever however you're listening to it, give us a follow, you know, Spotify now lets you rate things, so Give us five stars if you can on Spotify and Apple if you haven't yet. Um, we do a couple other things. We do a podcast on Marvel movies whenever they come out called Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones. And Ariel also does a monthly podcast where she introduces people to movies that they should have seen by this point or vice versa. Sometimes people introduce Ariel to those uh, called You've Never Seen with question mark exclamation point. But yeah, we've done, we, you know, do a bunch of different stuff. So check us out at Undercast Company on all the socials. Um, all the links will be below for us as well as JPG. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, and I'll see you in another live. Thanks for being amazing, everybody. Take it easy, everybody.